Hello and welcome to the Newer Podcast. I'm your host, Sana Kapadia. This is a new creative endeavor that I've started as a means of really bringing to light what it takes to live our full selves and how do we really embrace the light and radiance, i.e. the Noor, that is within us and that emanates from all of us. Through a series of conversations with some inspiring leaders, across gender finance, impact investing, the broader social justice domains, areas in which I work, full disclosure, I hope to really bring to light what it means to be a leader. How do we really embrace our full selves and show up as our full selves in all that we do? What are the different shards of our identity and the aspects of our journey that have shaped us to where we are and how we show up? So enjoy this series where we'll be covering some deep topics like leadership, identity, belonging, authenticity, and much more. And I hope that you will also start to step more fully into your light and be your most radiant self. Enjoy. Hello everyone, this is your host Sana Kapadia of the Noor Podcast. Delighted to introduce you to today's fantastic guest, Shintal Bharat, founder and director of Co-Sustain Consulting. Shintal's journey has taken her across the pathways of sustainability, climate and gender finance, and she's working on an incredible array of projects with different entities in developing and emerging markets. Chantal is an expert in strategy, implementation, and multi-stakeholder initiatives, all at these intersection of climate, sustainability, and gender. In this discussion, we dive into her professional journey, but also uncover some places close to her heart, which include finding meaning, both in the workplace and more broadly in life, leadership, how she's come to recognize it and what she looks for, as well as the creative aspects of our humanity. Enjoy this dialogue. Please don't mind the dog that <laughs> barks every now and then. It's a delicious conversation and I hope you enjoy. Thanks. All right. Hello and welcome, Shintal, to the Noor podcast. It's wonderful to see you here today. How are you doing? Hi, Sana. So nice to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm doing really well today. Thank you. And Shatal, where are you joining us from today? <laughs> but today I'm in South India, in sunny Hyderabad. Um, and we have our next door neighbor's dog barking. So I think we might <laughs> join in and uh, say a few words as well. <laughs> well, wonderful. And welcome to you both. All right. Well, I love to kick off the every episode with this question around asking my guests to describe themselves in one or two sentences. That's much harder now that you've asked me that question. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm Chantal Barrot. Um, I think the simplest way to describe it would be to say um, I'm the founder of Co-Sustain Consulting Limited. We work with um, many different types of companies and organizations with the idea of making the world just a little bit better. And in our world, that means um, things to do with climate change, with gender, with biodiversity. 
Welcome. And um, for all those listening, Chantal is also very deeply involved in the gender smart investing space. And that's how we've got to know each other. And I'm delighted that she's joining us today. So maybe a follow up then, Chantal, thinking that you're currently in uh, India, um, but also happen to live in the UK. Now you can choose to answer this quite literally, or you can go wider. But a follow up I have is, how far do you feel you've come to be here today? <laughs> in the literal sense, uh, just the 10 seconds it took me to walk from my bedroom to the, to the study. <laughs> uh, maybe in the more metaphorical sense, um, I would say over a decade of really working on emotional intelligence. Hey, we need to unpack that a little bit more then. <laughs> Um, actually, Chantal, I think it would be great for listeners to hear a little bit more about your professional journey. I know you mentioned that you're currently, um, you, you're the co-founder and leading co-sustain consulting. Maybe tell us a little bit more about that uh, practical professional journey that you've had in terms of the different steps and how it led you to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, I get asked this question quite a lot, Sana. Uh, you know, one of the things you know that I do is mentoring at the, the side business school, actually also at the Cambridge Judge Business School. And so I speak to a lot of the MBA students, a lot of the EMBA students. And, and this is a question I get asked the most. So the answer is, I, you know, my journey was maybe similar to many people. I had done a good solid chemistry degree was going to go into being a doctor or a, a pharmacist, but quickly realized that, you know, I, I probably wouldn't sort of last for too long in those professions. So I did the next best sensible thing, which was to join Accenture. It seemed like a really good, interesting role at the time. Certainly their marketing was very alluring. Um, and so <laughs> that's what I did for about three and a half, four years. But again, I think pretty quickly, I, I realized that, you know, doing SAP configuration was, again, not really where I was going to spend the rest of my life. And whilst I think it was a very good grounding and really good sort of professional development experience, you know, I always knew there was something missing. So I kept searching for something. I thought, if you're going to work for decades and decades, you know, there has to be some meaning to this. There has to be something uh, more. And so for me, I used a master's to give myself some space and some grounding, especially coming from hard sciences. I'd really wanted to spend more time in the social sciences. So I did a master's at UCL and that was really brilliant because I did a lot of um, social science theory. I did a lot of geopolitics, but I also did a, a module on climate change. And that's when I really started to get into this area. And, you know, I remember thinking it was Professor Mark Maslin at UCL who taught me. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is such a big issue. Why aren't we taking this so seriously right now? So. For me, that was the pivot um, over into working in a sustainability climate change career. And then through various ways, um, I won't say the front door, but I would say other uh, doors, I joined the PwC Sustainability and Climate Change team. The role, I guess, allowed me to still build on the consulting skills I developed at Accenture, 
but apply them in a, a whole different area. Um, amazing experience. I think the people I worked with were brilliant. I learned so much about this area, which I hadn't learned before. And then when I left, I, I knew that I wanted to work in a way that gave me flexibility, both mm -hmm. to the career and the job, but also I had, you know, care responsibilities and other responsibilities at home. So I needed something that allowed me that flexibility. Um, and so I set up co-sustain and yeah, it's coming up to a decade now of co-sustain. You know, something that you mentioned here was also around sort of meaning and how you needed that grounding and meaning. How would you say that has started to shift for you with 10 years of co-sustain versus maybe when you first began? It's such a good question. It's such a good question. Um, let me start by maybe just giving uh, a bit of a description of, of where I've been really uh, inspired when we talk about this question of meaning at work. So I started helping out a little bit. I suppose I'd, I'd say I'm friends with a startup called The Meaning Sphere. Mm -hmm. And it's set up by a chap called Jeff. Mm -hmm. And he was inspired by the AA model um, where there's a certain methodology that's used to, to bring people who have an addiction problem together. And it's a very simple basis, which has probably been used for you know, since ancient times around bringing people together in a circle to connect, to just connect in a human way. And so he took that and has applied that to work to say, you know, how can we tackle this whole area of meaning at work, which we're all searching for? And as perhaps you're really living your life in terms of what you were supposed to be doing and you're a, an artist or a singer, perhaps, you know, I, so yeah. many of us that are consistently seeking uh, meaning, meaningful work. And so I was really immersed in that for some time. And it really allowed me space and time to think about what does that mean for me? Mm -hmm. Right now, I think, and, and it may change in another few years time. I think there are two things. One is what I do is really meaningful for me. I feel like where we are at this juncture in time, when we are in a climate crisis, when we're losing so much of biodiversity and I'm so pained when I hear and see so much of that loss all the time that I feel the work that we do in gendering climate change is absolutely fundamental and important. So I'm really, really driven by, by what we do. The second part of it is something that you and I had talked about is the whole creativity side. And mm -hmm. I, unless I also nurture that something is missing and I'm not quite as good or as effective in the other work that I do. So for right. me, meaning is both those things. And it's a bit of a, a fine art and a juggling act, how you balance those two things. Yeah. Well, lovely. We'll, we'll come back to that second piece in a moment. Um, but I was wondering if you could maybe speak a little bit more then about your, um, this is the sustainability consultancy that you started. And you, you lead the organization. What have you sort of discovered about yourself as a leader over the last 10 years? I, I lead to collaborate. I think that's what I've learned the most. There are different types of leaders in the world. And often I would look at 
leaders maybe in the con you know would display more conventional leadership skills and i would think to myself oh gosh maybe i should be doing that or maybe those are the skills you know that that i should have but i've really come to realize that you can really only lead by being yourself yourself mm. is quite different um and so that for me is the biggest thing that i, I want to lead by being myself Chantal, tell me more. So when you say to lead by yourself, in your particular instance, what have you found to be qualities of leadership in yourself that you've cultivated? And then maybe as a second part, then what do you look for in other leaders? There, there are a, a few things. I think the things that come to the top of my mind are one, um, integrity. That's That's always been my baseline I think integrity in everything you do integrity in your thoughts um, has been so fundamental and I've always been very clear about that you know ever since I started work that that for me is the number one priority and so how does that play out how do you foster integrity of thought that's something that I've really been working on that's where I think meditation really helps because you're a lot aware about what you're thinking how you're feeling how does that translate to other people, the people that you lead, people that you work with? And I think closely related to that is transparency. So I really, for me, I, I think I'm quite a transparent person. I like to share. I like things to be open. And that fosters the first thing, integrity. And so I think when I lead, when I work with other people, I really try and embody that transparency. And that's what I've also learned from great leaders who work with us, some of who you really know. Mm -hmm. That transparency is just so important. And then um, maybe the other thing is, um, I don't know if this entirely fits in within your question, is just to work with people better than you. I think as a leader, you're always growing and evolving, right? And so I feel like, um, I always seek to work with people who are better than me because I'm, I'm always learning. And then it's a, it's a real joy. You're sort of, you're leading and you're collaborating, right? It's quite an organic process. All right, Chantal, so then maybe um, a, a little bit of a follow-up to that question in, you know, you mentioned integrity, transparency. Um, what are also some of the things then that you look for in other people that you work with or other leaders that you want to, you know, surround yourself with? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, besides those things, I, I continue to seek to work with people better than me. It's a, some career advice that I was given, you know, really early on in my, my career. And I think it just holds so true. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, how you define people who are better than you, obviously, is for each one of us to, to decide. But I, I think it's a great piece of career advice. And I think I'm, I'm incredibly lucky if I look at the people that I work with, I would say, wow, yeah, amazing. Um, continually learning, I think, um, continually being challenged. Um, and I think those are the kind of people that you can really learn from, particularly when the going gets tough. Because that, mm -hmm. that's a real true test of people that you work with. Yeah, absolutely. And something that you said before as well around the... Um, uh, the link to meaning for yourself and how having that, you know, on the one side, having those avenues for creativity as well. How much, how much of that do you look for or what does that look like in, in yourself, but also in people that you've 
uh, worked with in your leadership journey? It's a, it's a really great question. It's something that I think about a lot. So where is creativity within the work we do in our consulting work, which can sometimes seem as if what we do is great, it's very professional, but what is creative about it um, yeah. versus writing or singing, your, they're the more kind of traditional forms of art. And I actually think that there is creativity to be found in the work that we do Perhaps it's a case of fostering it and cultivating it. So, mm -hmm. you know, the work we do requires creative solutions. Mm -hmm. And I think for creative solutions, you need creative minds and creative mindsets. It's being very open, adaptable, flexible, thinking about new ways of seeing the world, new ways of doing things. Because we are essentially trying to create a, a new type of economic world you know, model that is a lot more sustainable. We don't have a ready-made solution. We can't keep doing the things that we kept doing. So I do think that there's a, a lot of room for creativity. It's about being intentional and then maybe really having examples to think about well, what does creativity mean in what we do? I love that. And you're almost like reframing um, what creativity needs to be in the workplace too, right? And um, how much of that though, Chantal, do you think is grounded as you started to speak uh, about the, you know, the work that you do, which is in sustainability and it is about creating new systems versus, you know, if you had been uh, a chemist or a pharmacist <laughs> based on your degree at the beginning, would you have been able to apply that same creativity? Like how much of it is the work itself versus how we show up? It's perhaps, maybe it's slightly more difficult. Maybe the work we do because of the nature of what you perhaps mm -hmm. needs the ground a little bit more for that creative open thinking. Um, saying that, I think, when I like to think that there is a, you can do it in, across all types of work. And certainly mm -hmm. this is what the meaning sphere uh, is, is trying to do, is to think about creativity in all aspects of work. We're all human mm -hmm. beings working in all sorts of jobs. And maybe those jobs which traditionally are seen more as the kind of hard sciences, maybe there is an even greater need there yeah. um, to think about creativity. Interestingly, um, some of the work I've been doing on the side around this actually, um, has touched on this. And one of the things that uh, one of the ladies that I worked with said really struck me, which was, she said, you know, I was sitting in a, a course um, in, in the US and it was mm -hmm. a creative writing course or something like that. And yeah. she said, there was a lot of senior people uh, with me, a lot of sort of retired doctors, um, other professions. And one of the things that they said that they missed the most in their lives was creativity. They felt mm -hmm. that that always been missing. And wouldn't it be great if people didn't feel like that at the end of their careers, that there was mm -hmm. a way to live a, a meaningful life with, with that aspect kind of almost integrated in, into what you were doing in your day-to-day -day life? I, I fully agree. I think that um, we need to have, create workspaces and organizations where people you know, can be their full, radiant, whole selves, which involves a creative side because you know that's the um 
That's the beauty of humans. We're so multifaceted. We're not only cognitive or not only creative. We have a bit of everything. And how do we create the right environment to show up um, as that full self? All right. So Chantal, maybe a follow-up then. Um, what then maybe can you share either one or two examples of people that have been supportive or leaders that you've looked up to and potential role models and what is what it is about those people that has really like uh, been inspiring for you? Thanks so much, uh, Sana. I think it's a great question. Look, I feel like I have people that I look up to both in my professional life, my personal life, and then obviously in the, the kind of public you know, sphere. I think professionally, well, since I left PwC, I've been really lucky enough to work with um, amazing leaders. And it's quite hard to really synthesize down you know, what I've learned because I feel like it's been such a big learning journey. The things that I talked about around transparency, integrity, those are all things I feel like I've personally fostered from the leaders that I've been working with. Mm-hmm. I would say this sort of continuous like strive for excellence and you know professional competence that's also something that I've been really lucky enough to learn and I suppose you know from the leaders that I've been working with I've really seen them embody that and that again has been um, a real like learning journey over these last 10 years. I think, you know, personally, the particularly women that are in my life, friends that I have, uh, the women in the family, I, I feel like I'm continually learning from them. They may be walking a different path, doing different things, but I feel like some of these qualities around loyalty and um, strength and, you know, listening and empathy, I think these are all things that... Um, these women bring and I'm continuously reminded about how important those qualities are so I feel like you know when you think about role models they come in all shapes and sizes and are doing all sorts of things and I I, you know I'm blessed enough to have that diversity but I think very quickly in the public domain probably the most obvious role model is Jacinda Ardern for the the way that she talks about empathy right Um, and that there isn't this uh, that the empathy and competence aren't mutually exclusive. And I have to say, yeah. I really, really appreciated her focusing on that particular point. I think we work in the field of gender as, as women, you know, we're told, let's say that you know, empathy can be more of a feminine trait. I'm not going to comment on whether it is feminine or masculine. I just think it's a really important trait for everyone to have, but that there can be this sort of misconception particularly mm. when you talk about old or I, I think outdated modes of leadership, that it's incompatible with competence and delivery. And mm. that's absolutely not the case. So I think she's done a really tremendous job of really um, focusing on that quite important point. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. And it actually makes me think of something you said way back at the beginning about this path of emotional intelligence. Um, and I wonder if you'd like to come back to what that has come to mean for you and how you practice that in your day to day, as well as what journey is left for you on that pathway of emotional intelligence as well. And EQ, I should say more broadly. Yeah, I mean, again, look, there's, there's so much in terms of emotional intelligence about 
understanding yourself, understanding all of these thoughts that we carry around in every single day in our lives. And for me, I think when I discovered doing things like meditation, mm-hmm. like really thinking about um, your whole well-being, um, and I started this journey of well-being, and that can come in again so many different ways. It's meditation, it's good food, good exercise, good relationships, all of those things make a big difference. Maybe my journey has been about sort of, you know, you're your best friend, really. So Mm -hmm. it's about looking after yourself first and foremost, because if you're not full, then you can't really give to other people. But it's so difficult. I know many people have said these same words. It's very difficult to do. But I feel like there's one thing that I've done over the last 10 years is, as you say, to find that way of nurturing myself. Mm. Meditation, going back to my reading, um, you know, has those those things have really kept me, I suppose, full and on that journey of emotional intelligence. To your last question, where next? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so much, right? There's always so much to learn about yourself and, and the world around you. So I'm sure that the next decade I'll learn as much as, as I did in the last one. Beautiful. Thank you, Chantal. And it all, um, I love how it all ties so beautifully together in terms of um, taking care of yourself also is one aspect of what it means to show up fully as yourself and tied to what you said right at the beginning in terms of meaning and meaning for you is both what you do, but also the creativity that you're able to bring. So all these facets again that help you show up in your full um, radiance and light that you are. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, as we start to wind down, maybe before I get into some rapid fire questions, one one bigger picture bigger picture question I'd love to ask you is, you know, we live in slightly challenging times you work in climate change at the intersection of gender finance sustainability um what gives you hope our community the people that work in this field that's where i get my hope from i'm a lot of people are feeling the same way i think that i am that it's incredibly scary I think it's very hard not to feel um, pessimistic, particularly when you look at the emissions Mm -hmm. data. I think it's important to recognize that and it's important to recognize the real true scale of the problem and to recognize how we feel about it. But we have to then, at least there are, there's a choice to be made about what you do with that and where you go, where you put your energy. And I think for me, I'm seeing the community, I'm seeing people who work in this space, recognize all of that, but say, we're going to work even harder. We're going to work the hardest we possibly can yeah. to do whatever we can right to avert this this huge catastrophe that we're in to to do things that can make things a little bit better maybe we need to work a lot smarter so maybe it's not just about harder but it's making the active choice to say yeah recognize all of those things but we have to act and we have to act really quickly we know what we need to do and so this is where we're going to focus our energies I love that thank you and 
Um, you know, for those listening who are in different spaces, I think a common thread though here is that aspect around community, community and um, collaboration and working together towards common goals and remembering remembering what it means, you know, to have our shared humanity because these are aspects that touch us all. So we're going to start to close out. And on that note, I'd love to ask you of hope. Let's stick with that for a moment. Do you have a quotation that you tend to go to as something to lift you up or keep you hopeful, something that you may have on a board behind you or something? Well, there is one that I, I love and I keep meaning to sort of print it out and uh, frame it and put it in my house, uh, which yeah. I definitely will do one day. Let me get it for you. And I think it fits nicely because the title of your podcast is, is Noor, which means radiance light. So this is a quotation about light. It's a simple one. It says, next time you are faced with a decision, ask yourself a simple question. Which solution lights me up? Mm. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> Very on point. Um, on the musical side, speaking of creativity, do you have a particular favorite song that helps you go keep going? Well, I don't know about a favorite song, but the one that I'm, I've been listening to recently um, is Long Time Traveler by the Wailing Jennings. Mm -hmm. It's um, a beautiful, beautiful melody, maybe slightly melancholic, so I'm not sure that it's <laughs> something that I'm going to do. Fill me with hope, but I find it just incredibly powerful. Um, and I know that you are an avid reader and writer. So can you maybe share one or two books that you that you currently have on your nightstand that you're reading? Yeah, definitely. It's my favorite thing to talk about. So I've been reading um, the book of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Ozeki. She it won the Women's Prize and um, it is just such a marvelous book. Um, and I think it is also... It, you know, it's related to the work we do because she talks mm. about objects and objects as having feeling. Yeah. Uh, and it's a very beautiful narrative about objects as, as things with their own energies and, and um, feelings. So uh, very, very interesting, I think. And the other one I will mention because I just finished it and it mm -hmm. is by my book side, by my bedside table, is Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. Okay. And uh, it's about... Um, a female pilot called Marion Graves and about her life. It's a phenomenal novel. Um, and it's really, I was absorbed because, you know, really books are about stories and it was just masterful storytelling. So I'd highly recommend both those books. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing those two wonderful reads. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Chantal, for making the time to have this conversation. It's been wonderful to get to know you that much more through this dialogue today and thank you for sharing more on your journey what drives you how you really have grounded your life and your career in finding more meaning and really a path that is paved with as you said integrity transparency um, empathy emotional intelligence just been lovely to have the opportunity to speak with you today thank you for being here Thanks so much, Sana. It's been really lovely to speak with you. It's been a wonderful way to spend a Monday morning. So thanks again.